And now it is time for News with My Dad. The show where we talk about the news with my dad. And on the line, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad, star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? I'm feeling ready. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff sometimes. We talk about the unimportant stuff when it's unimportant. We try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I have two. Two shout-outs. First, I want to shout-out for Christian Cooper. Christian Cooper is the African-American birder, that is a bird aficionado who actually works for the Audubon Society, who was out in Central Park birding and was accused quite falsely by Amy Cooper, no relation, of attacking her because he simply asked her to leash her dog, which the law required, who has published an op-ed explaining why he is not helping or encouraging the police to prosecute her because, as he points out, she's lost her job, she's lost her reputation. That seems to be enough. And he said if he subpoenaed, he testified to the truth, but he thinks that the prosecutor ought to let it go, and he is right. Congratulations, Christian Cooper. And I want to compliment Ulrich Fields, an African-American man in Houston who saw a policeman having difficulty dealing with a man with a butcher knife and helped the cop defuse the situation and so that it was not necessary to use deadly force, which was good for everybody. My compliments to both of them. And then I just want to acknowledge that 75 years ago today, the first atomic bomb was exploded in New Mexico, which changed the world forever. And then before we dive into the news, everybody, everybody, do everything you can to send good energy to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's back out of the hospital. She's just... We, we, we've got to keep her healthy. We've got to keep her alive. we just got to do that. So send good energy to Judge Justice Ginsburg. Dad, I won't on the Christian Cooper, Amy Cooper, no relation, by the way, as far as we can tell, uh, on that story. I won't offer any final judgment or opine in a, in a large way, but I will. It does bring a thought to mind, and that is, uh, a friend of mine, she runs a she runs a local foundation, and she put it as this is sort of the new Puritan age, and there is a new moral a set of new moral standards developing, and we are uh, exacting punishment upon those who ha- who do or have in their past uh, failed to fulfill that moral standard, failed failed to um, uh, to live up to it. And that has important ramifications, some important, I would argue, positive ramifications. There is also a question of what are the scarlet letters of the 21st century going to look like and how will those uh, impact people's lives? The interview I just did with Pat Daniels about the formerly incarcerated. What do second chances look like? What does redemption look like? What does compassion look like while still developing a set of moral standards that are less oppressive than the moral standards of our forebears? I think that we are learning these moves and there aren't and the loudest voices 
are not the voices of reconciliation. The loudest voices aren't the voices of redemption or the voices of trying to figure out and how do we bend the arc of each of our lives towards a better history, towards a better future. And uh, and so I do appreciate that without saying I, I don't know what the moves are, but I am noticing that and wanting to hear for it because, and, and, and trying to listen for it rather, because I recognize uh, the anger, the, 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 the righteously angry voices are justifiably louder, uh, but not the only voices that we have to make sure that we hear. Dad, Walmart is going to require its customers to wear face masks. Uh, your, I guess not nephew. I guess he's, I guess he's my, uh, I guess he's my first cousin once removed. Uh, so maybe he's your, I guess he's your grand nephew. Uh, consistently posts mocking memes about mask rules. Uh, Governor Brian Kemp signed an order to forbid local governments from requiring citizens to wear masks. How you feeling about masks, Pop? Well, I, I feel masks are, are an e- a very, very easy thing to do to try to deal with something that, if we do not deal with it successfully, could go on for a long and very, very damaging time. It's not just Walmart. It's Kroger. And what does Kroger mean? That means Fred Meyer. <clears throat> Fred Meyer. The thing that I'm curious about, they all are not... A, they've decided to make the rule, but... Walmart starts next Monday. Fred Meyer starts next Wednesday. And and I'm wondering why it is that if they recognize that it is needed, why they decide to put it off for a week or or even more Uh, than a week. Because COVID isn't isn't as dangerous in certain places until a certain date, maybe. Say again? Maybe COVID-19 isn't as dangerous in certain places during certain (laughs) weeks. Okay, I, I wanted to make sure that you were making a joke and you were not seriously suggesting. Any time, by the way, you have attention. Any time you have to make have, sure that you're theory. making a joke, then I have it, a theory as to why your dad might interrupt you. Go ahead, Pop. My theory is why they're putting it off because they want to make sure that they have laid in enough masks to sell, so that so that they're ready for the folks who come unmasked. Well, certainly it's about prep, and maybe maybe it is about inventory prep. It's partly at least uh, part, it's probably at least partly inventory. Uh, Dad, the uh, we've had 170, excuse me, 137,000 people die. The projections now on COVID19.health.data.org. by November, by the end of the year. Yeah, but no, by November first. Yeah, by November, by November 1st, first. Right. That's not end of the year. Right. That puts us maybe at 250 by the end of the year. And by the way, that number used to be, and I remember because we track it. Uh, on a pretty regular basis, uh, not only here, but on the local, the daily local news podcast that we do. It's essentially the only thing in Portland that does it. You should check it out, the local. Check it out in your podcast feed. But the uh, but they are at, that used to be at like 170, right? So we have, through our failing to deal with this, since death started, I don't mean like our failure to deal with it in February and January when, when Donald Trump should have known better. I don't mean even by our actions in March when governors started doing stuff and where it's very clear that all of the American government should, should have known better and business should have known better. I mean, even as of May and June, the projected deaths were more like 170. That means our failure to act then has changed the trajectory and the expectation of human life loss by, I'm going to call it 50,000 human beings. 50,000 human beings just in itself is one of the largest mass death events in American history. We are on track now to have as many people die from this as died from the Vietnam War, all told. And that's before the end of this year. 
And, and that's that's uh, counting the Vietnamese. No, no, that's not counting Vietnamese. That's just American deaths. I think well, we, had, we we lost about fifty thousand. Oh, I thought you were talking about the total deaths. Fifty thousand is about what about what the United States lost. I I, I well maybe maybe this is the, maybe this is the difference. When I looked it up, I saw it was Vietnam and Allied forces. I lost, I thought it was more like two hundred twenty-two thousand. We will look that up. As my dad taught me when I was a kid, intelligent people do not argue about questions of fact; they look them up. So we can so we can look that one up. But regardless, uh, if I am wrong and you are right, all that does is amplify the relative impact of this thing and put in high relief how big a deal it is. And meanwhile, I think it's hard for all of us to remember that it's still a big deal and not just get bored or get frustrated and just hope that basketball starts. And while we're talking about it, most states are going in the wrong direction. The, the, the case rate is going up in most states, and as the case rate goes up, the hospitalizations go up. Fortunately, we are getting better at helping people who are seriously affected, so the death rate in relation to hospitalizations is not quite as bad as it was to begin with, but it's still pretty bad. Oklahoma governor, who has now confessed that he has tested positive, still was not willing to tell Oklahomans that they must wear masks. DDT's former doctor, who's running for Congress, said, oh, well, that's an individual choice. It is just absolutely absurd. And while we're talking about COVID, the vendetta against Fauci, Peter Navarro, supposedly, according to Trump, being on his own, and if you believe that, if you believe that Peter Navarro's op-ed was not given the imprimatur if not the encouragement of DDT, let's talk about that bridge that I've been trying to sell for years. You've been trying to sell it since the show started, Dad, on a regular basis. Every couple of weeks you try to sell that bridge. Yeah, and so far I've got his takers, but everybody believes that they ought to be a pretty good person. All right. Some, some encouraging news. There might be a vaccine. The vaccine that uh, they're trying sounds like it comes with some pretty awful side effects, but it beats dying. But anyway... Uh, Interestingly, the last 30-plus years of research into trying to find a vaccine for HIV, unsuccessful to date, but that is apparently being very, very helpful in the vaccine researchers for COVID, so we shall see. Well, let me ask, let me bring up this one, and by the way, let's strike up one for both of us. Uh, you, we were both a bit shy in our in our estimations, uh, U.S. deaths just so U.S. U.S. and Allied military deaths two hundred eighty-two thousand, just U.S. deaths fifty-eight thousand. By the way, in, in Vietnam, I had no idea we had that many allies who fought alongside I the United States in Vietnam and had many people die. Uh, I did. I did remember that it was in the fifties. Who were the key allies? Was it was it was like Japan in the mix? Was it European countries who was helping us try to? Well, European European mostly. All right. Well, and I and I think I think South Korean, but but my my memory is not. We wrong. can look that up. I mean, you know, I, I know that people aren't tuning in for Vietnam War news right now, but I am still curious. I forgive the chuckle at that horror, uh, Dad. The White House has mandated that hospitals no longer should report their data directly to the CDC. Right, they got to go to HHS. Why? Well, because the White House controls HHS, and why? Well, that enables them to keep things secret. 
in fact, that segues. There's just a whole lot I want to talk about DDT and the administration and what they are doing and what they have done and what they aren't doing. But what what are your, what are, what are your thoughts as to why they have told? You actually helped me. You actually helped me. I didn't know enough about what I know and and admittedly because the good people here helped prepping me to know. Uh, that what public health experts are worried about is it will have an added hurdle, will stifle its ability, could reduce the public's access to information. The CDC has maybe a better track record, better systems for sharing that information. Yeah, they, they, they have a system in place for getting it and categorizing it and releasing it, which is, is, is fairly complicated. And it, at the very least, for HHS to duplicate the system It'll take more than the four months between now and the election. And we know that uh, for the current president, that bug is a feature. Even if it's not that the HHS will work to affirmatively try to block the information, if there aren't the systems in place to share the information, the result is congruent. And that means the president gets what he wants, which is people not knowing as much of what's going on. And he said this out loud, right? He said, well, the reason we have so many, uh, the reason we have so many cases is because we're testing. If we weren't testing, we, people, we, we, we wouldn't have any cases. <laughs> that is just the absurd thing. Yeah, yeah, he said that in so many words. He said, if we had half the tests, we'd have half the cases. And if you, if you, if you divide that, we'd have a quarter of the cases. No, no, no. What we would have is we would have a quarter three quarters or a half of the cases undiscovered and therefore in danger of not getting early treatment. Dad, you said you want to talk about some other stuff with respect to the president. I'll throw one out because we got a clip. Uh, President Donald Trump has also, well, actually, am I going to shockingly change the subject away from COVID-19? Was there something else on that you really you really needed to bear out? Nope. I, I'm, I am, oh, well, while we're talking about covid the, what, what schools are going to do is an interesting thing. I'm going to be looking forward to hearing from Dr. Hinson this morning. Schools, Los Angeles, San Diego says they're not going to have in-class schools. Portland Public Schools says, well, maybe we'll have two days a week for students. Of course, I think what that means is five days a week for the teachers, and the teachers are those are the ones we maybe need to be most concerned about, but, but we shall see. Meanwhile, President Donald Trump has limited the power of NEPA. The National Environmental Policy Act, 50 years old, requires that all infrastructure projects be submitted to public review before approval. On Wednesday, Trump cut the amount of time available for those reviews from one to two years. Federal agencies are no longer required to determine how infrastructure projects would contribute to climate change. Trump claimed the move would save money, produce better infrastructure, NEPA joins the 100 other environmental rules that have seen rollbacks under the Trump administration, Dad. Uh, as has been said for years, don't waste a crisis, and it appears that Donald Trump is using this crisis to roll back environmental protections. Yeah, the, the other Times has published a, a list of, of 100, 100 things that he has done. Um, so, something, by the way, I should have mentioned about L.A. schools not uh, not uh, sending kids to school. The Catholic schools in L.A. have decided that their kids are going to go to school. So we just have to see if if uh, 
religion is more protective than irreligion. We shall see. A, uh, do you think that the rollbacks of the environmental protections impact, or I should make it a how question, how do you think those might impact the election, if at all? I am guessing that they will not have a great deal of impact on the election for this reason. Folks who care about that, folks who pay attention to the, the environment, folks who are aware of the danger of global warming and climate change, the folks who are aware of the danger of fracking, folks who are aware of the danger of coal to the atmosphere and aware. I, I'm guessing that a, a huge percentage, close to 100 percentage of those folks are already not in the DDT camp. There might be a few of them still in the green camp. Uh, I notice a guy whose name I don't even remember, it starts with an H, has become the candidate for the Green Party because the the woman who ran the last two times and may have meant the difference in Wisconsin 2016 has decided not to run but but those those are not potential DDT voters and they are also very likely to be voters because they're motivated so so I'm not convinced that it's going to make a great deal of difference but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be talking about it Here's another here's another element of how I think it impacts the election, and that is Donald Trump still raising a bunch of money. He had a quarter of raising, maybe it was a month, of raising less than, than Joe Biden, but he's still raising a bunch of money. And this is one of, the way, one of the ways you do it. One of the ways you do it is by demonstrating the value. And this isn't what makes Donald Trump different. I've said for a long time that what makes, uh, I, I believe the most important things that Donald Trump is doing as president, the most important damage that he is doing, is not merely what the ways in which he is different from a Republican president, but the, but the ways that he is similar to another late 20th or early 21st century Republican president. And that is this kind of thing. This is what uh, what a good cluster of Republican donors are wanting is don't think about climate change. Take it out. Don't don't report on it anymore. Uh, don't consider it when you're doing infrastructure projects. Just build, baby, build and make sure that environmental rules don't get in the way of that stuff. Uh, that's how you raise the money. And his strategy, part of his strategy is to make sure you can raise that money to, you know, buy buy stuff that might manipulate ideas, people's ideas. I, I agree with that. I don't think there's any question that, that it does influence the money. But but also, I'm, I'm guessing that at some point, and I'm thinking that the point may already have been reached in both campaigns, at some point the amount of money that you have to spend and what you is is not going to be all of that significant. Part partly because the campaigning is going to have to be more and more by way of of Zoom and by way of social media and by way of doing things that get you media attention without going traveling around the country. That that is not going to be that that big a thing once you have 100 million that the second 100 million will not make all that difference. We got a text in each day on Facebook. I post one of the 100 environmental regulations that Trump has revoked or changed. I am up to 63. 
I think that that uh, I think that text came in from Rachel Carson, uh, the author of Silent Spring. I actually don't know if it was Rachel Carson. I'm just saying that it was. But if you would like to tell us where to follow that information on Facebook, I bet you people might find it interesting. If, by the way, people have texts, we're going to be talking to Dr. Holly Henson about COVID-19. I should have plugged this while we were talking about COVID-19. If you'll have questions for the good doctor, the text line, again, is 971-220-5979. 971-220-5979. We would welcome your text. Uh, while we're talking about DDT, some, some of the ridiculous things this guy does, he said, he said out of thing... To, Saying we've got it, we've got to preserve statues, and oh, excuse me, cough. We've got to preserve statues, and the statue he, he wanted, obviously, that they wanted to have a a really dramatic statue that should be saved, and so they picked a statue of Jesus. There was one interesting thing. You know where the statue of Jesus was located? No. Take a guess. Uh, on top of Wilson High School. <laughs> Try. Rio de Janeiro. No. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Did you catch did you catch the picture of him at his desk with his thumbs up and the Goya products on his yeah. desk? Yeah. And I've already talked about it as long as I want to. Oh, well, I You could I, talk I, about I, it. It's I, a hatchback violation. It's absurd. We know it's we I, we've talked about the carrot and stick. We've talked about tit for tat. Like I know, I know who this cat is. And I know what he does. And if people don't know that Goya products uh, came out, give what nine million bucks? I don't know. Maybe it was less than that. But I, I am going to be interested to see how the Goya Goya boycott, how far, how far, how far that gets. That will be interesting. See, he the, he he lied about. Apparently, he lied about saying that he was responsible for closing down the Chaz protest in Seattle. The mayor of Seattle, Jenny Duncan, said didn't happen, never contacted anybody, just lied. And by the way, Jenny Duncan, there's a recall effort going after her, which uh, which I'm a little confused about. I can't tell if it's from the right or the left or exactly what it is. The uh, DDT is uh, looking at attacking TikTok, and I'd be interested in your thoughts about that. I, I I don't know how popular TikTok really is, but apparently it's a big deal among the younger set. The and kids it, seem to like it. I don't know, but the kids seem to like it. So if he if he did that, it might not hurt with the kids, but he might be thinking, well, the kids aren't going to vote anyway. The uh, He's being sued by the immigration judges. Dad, for, should we start doing TikTok videos? Should we do some side of coordinated social dance, socially distanced dance number to I don't know, educate people on some topic? Then we could know how popular TikTok is. We'd have more. It'd be, we could treat it as research. I'll tell you how well I know about TikTok. I Googled it, misspelled it. I, I thought there was C's in there. No C's, just K's. I didn't know that. So apparently it's popular with the kids, but not as popular with the news with my dad co-hosts. How long do you think it will be before the IG, the Investigator General... I thought you meant Instagram. <laughs> My question is, how long do you think it will be before the IG of the Commerce Department gets fired? Oh, I don't know. And you know why I say that? No. 
because I'm still thinking about TikTok and Instagram, Dad, and okay. and kids dancing, and I'm trying to figure out the dance routine. Then you and I, you're trying to get me to think about the Inspector General. Yeah, he's been can Inspectors General keep well, doing let, that. Let's I can get talk serious about that. that. That of course gets 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 me back to wondering when are we going to be able to start having visuals of you sitting by yourself in the studio without me because we can't have two people in the studio anymore. But so the people can be watching as well as hearing. We could actually do that almost right away. Because I, I have a little Mevo thing. All I would need is to arrive a little early and, and be less scared. Uh, but then people would see me. They wouldn't see you. So it'd be a little bit disconcerting. Yeah, that's the problem. We'd have to figure out how to coordinate. Well, we could take turns. I could come in one day and you could come in the other day. And just run really, really fast. I'm saying, how does it work so that people can see both of us at the same time? (laughs) Like if they see one of us and we're talking and then it's just quiet, right? And there's like, hey, TikTok, that sure is fun. And then... You know, I don't know. We'd have to figure out the switching, Dad. We'd have to figure out the switching. I think we might be able to. Maybe, maybe the uh, the talented Jude uh, Oppenheimer would, would like to would like to help us with uh, uh, with that prospect. But Dad, it is time for election news. My opener is this: new Monmouth University poll showing a 13 point lead for Joe Biden in Pennsylvania. In a recent New York Times Siena poll, Biden was up by 10 points. His poll aggregator has him up by 7.6% in Pennsylvania. So anyway, he's showing a comfortable lead in Pennsylvania. Is that and, he, and he's showing a lead among older voters. What is that telling us? Is that just heck? You know, Dukakis was way ahead of Bush back in the day. Things can happen in the summer. Uh, so is that just, you know, uh, an anomaly or is there something we should glean from it? Folks who make predictions like that are most famous for being wrong. The, uh, we, we should remember what the polls were saying four years ago. The, do, do not let a poll either discourage you or become complacent. What you do, need to do is to do what you need to do and because the only poll that really counts is the one that is taken on the first Tuesday in November. What I would say, yeah, without even saying prediction, what I said, is there anything we glean from it? I'll glean, I glean up from, glean, I can speak. That's why I'm on the radio. X-ray. The, uh, what I glean from it is at least maybe this, and the most important piece of it, or most interesting, I guess, piece of it I see, is that he, he being Biden, pulled particularly well with voters uh, under 50 and over 65. So 50 to 65 uh, Trump is still doing well, but retirees, older voters, leaning Biden in Pennsylvania, and that seems like a big deal. And that might, and if that holds, that's a really big deal. But the, what I, without going into prediction realm, here's what I think it might tell us. And I'm stealing this from my wife that she said there is a uh, that right now we want American voter wants uh, compassion and competence, maybe in reverse order. And those are the opposite. Those, those are not his strong suits. And Joe Biden is actually among American politicians. Uh, it may be not uniquely, but at least rarely skilled at offering compassion. And it's an underestimated trait. And I think one that we haven't appreciated enough that if, if, you, if anybody was going to... Uh, 
criticize Obama's emotional intelligence, and I is a remarkably emotionally intelligent man, but uh, warmth is not the first trait. Hot is not the first trait, right? He stayed cool. If you're going to describe Obama, it was, well, that guy stays cool in a, in, in a crisis. He stays, he stays, well, I already used the word cool. Uh, Biden offers compassion, and it's part of his story. It's part of his story of losing his family. And Both yet, compassion and, and passion. And Donald Trump d- might offer passion, but compassion and competence are not his strong suits. Oh, I'll say not. Kanye West is out, Pop. We didn't talk about this. Kanye West is going to be on the ballot in, in Oklahoma. He's not running. What do you mean? <laughs> the news this morning is going to be on the Oklahoma ballot. Well, I'm going to look that up because what it says here is he's not running. Th- those things are not mutually those, exclusive. Those things are not necessarily mutually exclusive. So it's yeah, his spokesperson came out and says, yeah, so 13 hours ago, the Guardian is reporting Kanye West will appear on the Oklahoma presidential election ballot. Oh, 10 hours ago, Billboard saying uh, that Kanye West is still in the presidential race after a spokesperson said that he was not. Oh, all right. Well, I think this might tell us something about the Kanye West candidacy. <laughs> that that uh, they're doing whatever they can to get free media, which we just gave them some of. Yeah, maybe we've talked about it as much as we ought to. It, it <laughs> has, Apparently there are concerns with his family that he was having a bipolar episode, so we can move on from there. The vice presidential choice is something. By the way, I... Then we got to get the local news here pretty quick, Bob. It's upside down here in the, in the order. I'm going to be interested to see if DDT sticks with Pence... The uh, on on the D side, the Progressive Democrats, that's an organization, and Root Action, another significant, uh, both come out in support, urging him to appoint Warren. I continue to think that that Tammy Duckworth looks better and better to me. He, Joe Biden is running ads in Texas, which is quite significant. The fact that he thinks maybe there is something to be done there. The uh, uh, oh, DDT was successful in sinking Jeff Sessions, and so it will be the former Auburn coach as the Republican candidate. And well, it, let's let's pause there. I don't know if you the, if you did the topic angle question thing. If you've got if you got sort of an angle on it or a question uh, that you want me to respond to, uh, I might pretend that you had one. But on Texas, I'd offer a take. And that is, here's a, here's a prediction. After this election, maybe even right, happening already, the Republican Party is going to be looking at Texas and saying, however we build ourselves as a party, it has to be a party that wins Texas. And that, that will be their, I think, even a true north on how the Republican Party conceives of itself. Because let's be clear, the Republican Party cannot win the presidency if they don't have Texas. There just ain't the math. Pretty hard to do it if they don't have Florida. But they cannot do it. If they don't have Texas any time in, in, in the near future or, you know, any time in the next 20 years, in, based on any electoral math I can imagine. So when they're doing sort of the postmortems, uh, well, you know, whatever happens in that result, analyzing Texas is going to be a piece of it. Uh, and then what was the other one, Dad? You gave a couple. Uh, that 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 was it. Before we before we get into state and local. Oh no, hold on. You, you also mentioned the Alabama Senate race. Do you have yeah. a? Uh, I don't know if you prepared a question. I guess my question would be, do you think that Tuberville or Sessions would have had a better chance to win in the general? Do you think this matters in terms I of Judge Jones's I chance? I think he may have more 
weaknesses than Sessions because, of course, he won because in in large part because DDT really, really, really did go after Sessions and told his supporters, who are numerous among Alabamans, that they should vote for the coach. But but the coach's record that he left the state and moved and came back just apparently just to run that to his fame based upon his ability to run a football program which may not be the best training for the United States Senate but the the registration is a pretty tough thing for yeah Doug Jones might be tanked regardless yeah there are two couple schools of thought at least uh, my wife's school of thought is oh Tuberville's better better candidate stronger candidate he he'll be even more appealing. He'll be more appealing to the people who like Trump and the people who don't, because the people who don't like Trump will still view uh, would have viewed Jeff Sessions as uh, Trump uh, as a Trump bite, even though Trump didn't like him. It's sort of the worst worst case scenario, worst combination, worst of both worlds. My uh, the other the other take, which I thought was interesting, was that maybe Doug Jones has a better chance against Tuberville because the Republicans who voted four sessions and voted against Trump's handpicked person might have more willingness to break with the Republicans when it comes to the general election. Or to stay home. The, uh, the thing that we cannot know is what DDT is going to do in the next three months. But if by November 1st there actually have been 224,000 COVID deaths, there will be a substantial number of those that have happened in Alabama because Alabama is one of those states that is not dealing well with the virus. And that could have a significant effect upon people who so far believe DDT can do no wrong or whatever wrong he does doesn't matter. If it gets to the place, and this we know from the analysis on same-sex marriage, and the analysis on uh, equality for the LGBTQ community in general, that what really helped bend the curve of public opinion on that set of civil rights and human rights issues was when more and more people in America had somebody in their life they knew to be gay. Where we get to the place where more people know someone in their life who have been deleteriously impacted by COVID-19, who have died or gotten really sick, particularly with potentially permanent ramifications. That, I think, could uh, break through consciousness in a way that Fox News can't entirely manipulate. Although they will... I I check in on Fox News just about daily, and it is... It's just going to lower your lifespan, Pop. So awful. First, the choice of stuff they talk about, and then the hate, the hate that they peddle. It is this, this just in Fox News, not my dad's favorite. Uh, Dad, on testing, I want to move on to local news unless you got. Okay, unless before you got yeah, before, hopping, before hopping we get it local, there's there's something that I've just got to make sure I say today. DDC's budget has come out, and 55% of the discretionary spending in his budget is for the military, 55%. And to give you an idea of the significance of those money, if you took just 7% of that, just 7%, of, you could eliminate poverty in the United States. If you, 
you could take less than 3% and you could eliminate starvation throughout the world. If you took just 1%, you could guarantee safe drinking water for everybody in the world. And to give an example of, of, the, of the ridiculousness, Boeing. Boeing has just got an $800 million contract to build eight airplanes. Eight. That means over $160 million per airplane. And those aren't airplanes that carry lots of people. Those are airplanes that carry, I don't know if the F-15 has one or two. I think the F-15 carries two people. The, uh, oh, when and if the world survives long enough for a history to be written about the United States 200 years from now, I surely think they are going to look at that as the folly, the folly of the priorities of the world. Dan, here's the the thing I would say, that the cost of the military, the military budget right now in the last, in the last federal budget that's passing, $686 billion with a B, as they say. Uh, Imagine if that money were put into a health care plan, or imagine if a meaningful piece were put in a health care plan, and the, the, the purpose, to be clear, the purpose, uh, the stated purpose of the military, particularly if you're not in a colonial context, if you're not in the context of trying to acquire territory for exploitation of national resources, then manage an overseas empire, that the that the stated purpose of the U.S. military is to protect the populace is to make sure, in fact, it's even called the Defense Department. It's not called the Colonial Department. And if you're really concerned about defending the populace, you ought to look at what is endangering the populace the most. And the ratio between the risk of poor health coverage to Americans as to the invasion by ISIS, bad as they are, or the Taliban, bad as they are, or even China. Well, Dad, that would only what you said would only be true if there was something I don't know, like a like a pandemic, like some big, you know, like, like big, like sort of virus, kind of infection, kind of thing. There was impact. That, that's the only. And when would that happen? I mean, that only what you're saying would only bear out under the kind of circumstance in which we find ourselves right now. Yep. Oh, by the way, the the Green candidate. I mentioned Howie Hawkins is his name. Howie Hawkins. Howie Hawkins. He's, he's going to be running because Jill Stein is not. All right. I'm going to I'm going to reserve comment. I'm going to reserve comment. I'm going to shout out, Dad. I'm going to give a little bit of history. Is It's not a segue. It's just a break. And then I want to talk about local news. Uh, Elizabeth Jennings Graham today, back in the day, July 16th, 1854. This was a name I didn't know. Another name I didn't know was Irene Morgan, who on July 16, 1944, both of them did something that presupposed what both of us know very well that happened in 1955 by Rosa Parks and Claudette Coleman. Elizabeth Jennings Graham successfully challenged racist streetcar policies in New York City today back in the day in 1854, a black civil rights figure too often forgotten, and Irene Morgan refused to change her seat on a segregated bus back in Virginia 11 years, today back in the day, 11 years before the Montgomery, Montgomery bus boycott. So there you go, Dad. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Just just facts. You like to call them factoids. I like to call them civil rights history, Dad. A little civil rights history this morning. Okay. Uh, a, seg- a, seg- a segue, since we'll we're see. talking about we'll politics... See. Something to 
state and local. No surprise, Bev Clarno, our Secretary of State, rolled over on the redistricting issue where the, the judge, federal judge, said with absolutely no statutory justification, whatever, and a very limited justification on the facts because there are two initiatives that have managed to get the signatures. She rolled over, and our Attorney General is going to appeal that, and I can't help but think that appeal is going to win, because if there was ever an example of judicial activism and a judge playing legislator, that was it. But why would Bev Clotter roll over? Well, because the folks on the right will be delighted to see the redistricting program happen in states like Oregon as long as it does not happen in states like Alabama. It is a uh, strong argument. I have many good friends who are working hard to try to pass that thing. In fact, the folks that I work with on campaign finance reform, most of them are lining up to have been trying to trying to get this thing passed. Uh, many other of my friends have your view, Dad, which is, yeah, that's maybe something to do on the national level. But if you do it, if if a bunch of do-gooders do it at a bunch of do-gooding blue states, and meanwhile it's harder to get it done in red states, and all we will see is a a worsening of the anti uh, anti representation anti-majoritarian. Congress that we have right now. Uh, there's also a matter that we got a million Democrats, registered Democrats in this state. We got 700,000 registered Republicans, and under this proposal, it uh, it gives Republicans and Democrats equal power. They don't base the representation of the commission on the representation of the population. So those are the counter arguments. The pro arguments are that, that that many of us feel are wanting to change systems of. Uh, of district drawing all over the country, and there's a general idea of wanting to improve democracy. Here is maybe the simplest, though, that I would offer, Dad, that, that for people who don't want to have to wade through, you know, if we want to predict somebody's how somebody's going to land on this thing, here we're gaining a congressional seat this year. Oregon is getting a congressional seat. The census will almost certainly, and it's a reminder to fill out your census, but we've gained enough population that it's an almost a deadlock cinch that we're going to get a sixth congressional seat. If there is, uh, if there is, if it is done in the current way, it is pretty darn likely that's going to be a fifth Democrat sent to Congress. Uh, if it is, if there is reform, then I my prediction is that's a Republican seat. So I think that why that, that, that if I were a Republican strategist, if I were Rebecca Tweed, who we had on this show, and I was very grateful to be able to interview her, uh, I would prioritize it very strongly, not only. Uh, on passing this thing, not only, very strong, and not only out of some sentiment of good government, but because this is the best chance that Republicans have to send another Republican to Congress. Yes, exactly. While we're talking about courts, the Court of Appeals has approved Portland's eviction relocation ordinance. Uh, the uh, DiLorenzo Dilo is going to appeal to the Supreme Court, so that final word has not been heard on that. Court of Appeals also, in the Jones-Hollister case, has confirmed that you have a right to be considered binary. You do not have to, if you, if you want to be considered binary, you don't, you can do that, which uh, I could have used that as a kind of a straw in the wind. 
Yeah. Other states that's of news of significance, Prineville is getting another big Facebook. Facebook is going to build a new a couple of buildings, 900,000 square feet, like over 900,000 square feet, bringing to something like 2.5 million square feet in Prineville. Boy, 10 years ago, an investment in Prineville real estate probably would have been a good investment. I'm waiting to see if you have, if you have a question for me. Uh, uh, yes. If you do, question, if you my, do, my I question, will answer it. Question, if not, we can move along. My question for you is... Would Prineville you, real estate go on? Is do you think that the growth of Facebook in Prineville, which I, I can't help but think means more and more younger people are employed? I, I'm just guessing that there are more 20s and 30s and 40s than there are 50s, 60s, and 70s working for Facebook. How that might affect the politics? Oh, that's of interesting. That legislative district, and over time the politics of the second congressional district you know if it had been actually in bend i would have said it mattered more it being in prineville and then of course it's going to depend on how the lines are drawn and that's happens once a decade and it's about to happen that's related to the topic we just had because see if it were in bend and you added you know blank number of hundred how many people how many people in this facility i don't know how many people but but if you got two and a half million Square feet, there got to be a lot of people. So, if, so let's say let's say they had a thousand jobs, right? It's just just because that's simple numbers. Now, it's not going to be a hundred percent of either party, but let's say there were. Let's say it did split uh, seventy thirty Democrat. Maybe 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 even eighty twenty. But let's say let's say let's say seventy five twenty five. So then, what you have is a five hundred vote net. Now, a five hundred vote net in Prineville will not impact the uh, and and maybe it's more because they might have spouses. Right. So maybe you get to like a 700 vote net difference. I mean, you get just, you know, just spitballing. That doesn't change the congressional district math. That probably doesn't change the legislative district math in Prineville. It might make it a little more of a swingy district. If it were in Bend, if you added a 700 vote difference in Bend, that could towards a Democrat, that actually could make it much more likely that there were a that, that Bend would be sending a Democrat to the state house on a regular basis. But in doing that, in doing that math calculation, remember that some some number, probably a significant number, of those employees have a spouse or most important other who shares. Or more, yeah, more I added a couple hundred share. per day. I went from 500 to 700 over that. I mean, I'm just inventing plus, that. Plus, plus the fact that you have that many people who are talking to their neighbors and who right. are speaking up. Right. So so there's there's a multiplier in there someplace that I don't pretend to be smart enough to put a, a number on, but I would su- suggest that if there are, if the if the thousand employee figure that you give is anywhere in the ballpark, the multiplier is significantly more than five to seven hundred. And, and I don't know if it's a multiplier, but there would be some ripple effects. And, I, and hard, to, hard to judge what those would be. But asking my view, my view is that in Prineville, maybe some impact. It might change the brand of Republican that comes out of that, uh, out of that House district. It might give a chance at, to make a state Senate district a, a swing district, which uh, otherwise wouldn't be viewed as a swing district. Because, again, it takes two House districts to make up one Senate district. Right now, you've got the Bend district, which is a swing district, and the district outside of Bend, which is a strongly held Republican district. You put those two together, and it makes a pretty darn strongly held Republican district. That might turn it into a uh, 
into a uh, into a swing district in the state senate but anyway that's my that's my guess might have some impact uh but it would be a bigger deal in my judgment if a lot of those prineville workers live in bend okay yeah a few hundred extra votes in bend would make a difference because that's uh, usually a pretty closely held pretty closely fought uh, uh race dad uh, any other i, I want i want i want to talk because because the news this morning we got about five announces, minutes announces that wilson high school is going to get a new name and i would like to talk about names and i like to talk about school names and get your thoughts on it because i confess that i have concluded that, that i have a kind of a principle that i would uh, that i would apply to this question what are your thoughts about what go ahead and say done? your principle go ahead and say your principle Dad. okay my principle is when when you're talking about what do you do with jefferson what do you do with madison what do you do with washington uh what do you do with Lincoln? These are all these are all school names. What do you do with Wilson? Well, you look at what the individual was doing at the time he, and they're all he's as it turns out, was alive. And Washington and Jefferson and Madison were all trying to make things better in a very, very significant way. It's true they owned slaves, but they really were trying to make things better. What they were doing was to expand liberty, to expand freedom. I, I just completed reading the book, The Complete Madison, which is a book that has compiled all of Madison's significant communications, both letters and speeches and all kinds of things. And he was an absolutely remarkable man. And it is very clear that what he did struck significantly towards increasing the the benefit of liberty to you and me. Whereas Wilson, Wilson, if you put him in, he wanted to, to go in the opposite direction. He resegregated the federal government. He encouraged racism. He wanted to make things worse. And the same thing if you look at, at the, the folks who, the Confederates, they wanted to make things worse or at least keep things bad, not make things better. And I think that that's, that's a really clear line which allows us to say, hey, Washington should stay and Jefferson should stay and Madison should stay. And Yeah, Dad, I don't think this is going to be up to us. Calhoun should go away. I don't think this is going to be up to us. The uh, uh, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and six months ago I might have blithely nodded my head and preferred to talk about basketball rather than the uh, rather than wrestle with the origin of my own first name uh, and if you wanted to make the case that uh, for Wash, you know, Washington High School isn't around anymore but there used to be a Washington High School or if you're making the case that the only chance for redemption in our country is to bend the arc of history towards justice and that's true for each of one of our own lives as well that Washington's move of making sure we didn't have a king by himself not becoming one and keeping himself to ruling the country for eight years. That, uh, uh, let me one finish. very significant thing I was that, say something. That, that I just like to remind people of, when he was asked what should he be called, would it be your highness or your grace, he said, call me mister. That, uh, that there may not have been more important words, although we now recognize them as sexist as they are, but uh, but Thomas Jefferson wrote what may be the most important words ever written in the United States, which is all men are created equal, putting that at the first sentence of the annunciation of the mission statement for the country uh, imbued 
an idea within the country that I would argue gave us a chance to even have a civil rights movement later and have the rhetorical power to fuel that. Uh, Madison did, but for Madison, there probably is not a United States Constitution or a Bill of Rights in the same way. That said, that I don't think it's up to us. And I don't think, and if, and if the students are going to those schools, and I, and I think about Jefferson, I wrestle with it, uh, and my view is different now than it was four months ago, and I don't know if I'm proud of it, of what I just said. But, the, but I, imagine, I imagine the descendant of a former slave going to a school who's named after a slave owner. And what impact does that have on their pedagogy? What impact does that have on their ability to learn? What impact does that have on relived trauma during their life? And that is not for me uh, to, like, what I got to do in that context mostly is listen. And if, and if there is a, uh, and if the people who are leading within those communities say, yeah, you know, we should, we should not measure everybody in, uh, in history based on the morality of today, but based on the morality of their day, that is something I can get behind. But if they say, no, we have to change how we uh, provide praise and to whom we build statues and what we name the vessels for our children, uh, then I got to listen to that too. As I look at the high schools, and Dad, we're about out of time. We got we got we have Dr. Holly Hinson that's calling in to uh, to talk about COVID nineteen. And folks, I should plug it again. If you've got a COVID nineteen question, the uh, the text line is nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine. I look at the list of high schools, and and I think Jefferson, unless the local community says otherwise, that's going to change. We know Wilson's going to change. They said that Madison was going to change. If those are changing, I think that suggests that Franklin might change. He owned slaves. He only owned two slaves. But I, how do you say only? That's fewer than Madison and Jefferson. But Franklin was a slave owner. I think so. I put Franklin sort of on the on the bubble, and then the the only presidential name that I could come. But then the two that I think would stay are I think Cleveland and Lincoln. I think Cleveland and Lincoln would stay. But that's that, that's how I re, that's how I sort of read the landscape now. Any other any other quick blurb you got, Dad? Before we got to do a strong wind, I would I would put Jackson as one that should go. We don't have a Jackson High School anymore. That's already gone. Yeah, well, there used to be. All right. Well, we're not bringing it back. <laughs> I think I think you're right about that. We're not gonna we're not bringing Jackson back. Uh, Ted Wheeler spoke out, spoke out about troops and against the federal troops. The Japanese Garden is uh, closing at least until they can clean it up. Uh, the uh, Dad, do you have any other quick news bit before we do a strong win? Emergency board has granted five million, fifty million bucks for the arts. Biggest uh, beneficiary is the Ashland Shakespearean Fest Festival. The Department of Transportation has announced the intent to hire its I-5 general contractor, which suggests to me that the DOT thinks they're going to be able to roll over the city of Portland. We'll have to keep our eye on that one. Yeah, that's a big one, Dad. That's a big one. I think that's it is time for a straw in the wind. And I have straws in the wind. First, publishing business. The publishers, they, the bosses at big publishing companies tend to stay for a long time. Well, there are now two, count them, two, Reagan Arthur at Knopf and Lisa Lucas at Pantheon, African-American women, potentially really significant. Black pastor John Onwuchekwa, a rising star in the Southern Baptist Conference, has resigned from the Southern Baptist Conference because of their pandering to DDT. And the Green Berets, 6,700 in number, now have 
one woman in their ranks. And boy, that's a big straw in the wind. Dad, we got a couple texts in that are very useful. Thanks to our smart listeners. Here's one. This one from Joe Pesci. Very few jobs go with a Facebook server farm addition to Prineville. Yeah, it's not there to house people. It's there just to house computers. Thank you for that. Uh, and also a reminder, we also got Roosevelt High School. I figure Roosevelt High School, I'm just guessing, I'm advocating that Roosevelt High School ends up with Lincoln and Cleveland as being able to keep its name. That'd be my guess. I'd be interested in your guess. The text line here for Dr. Holly Hinson is 971-220-5979, 971-220-5979. Text in if you have a question about COVID-19. Dad, thanks so much for taking the time. And we'll be back on Monday. Love you, Pop.